Welcome to the Three Martini Lunch. Grab a stool next to Greg Corumbus of Radio America and Jim Garrity of National Review. Three Martinis coming up. So glad you've joined us for the Wednesday edition of the Three Martini Lunch. Your stool is ready. Rob Long is in for Jim Garrity again today. Rob, of course, contributing editor, National Review Online, host of the Martini Shot, co-founder of Ricochet, co-host of the Glob Podcast. And uh, Rob, before we even get to the good, bad, and crazy martinis, which are going to be good fodder for us today, you are a minor prophet because just yesterday or the day before, whenever we're talking about Andrew Cuomo and his latest scandal, uh, you talked about how he's not going to get impeached. He's not going to be forced to resign because he's basically just going to give away political favors to enough people to make sure that there are never enough votes to get rid of him. And you said one of those will be to legalize marijuana for recreational use. Well... New York Governor Andrew Cuomo signed legislation Wednesday to legalize cannabis for recreational use. It's now the 15th U.S. state that has legalized it, and it represents a potentially broad market for consumption. No kidding. Residents will be allowed to smoke pot anywhere that smoking tobacco is allowed, although local jurisdictions may enact stricter rules on where marijuana use is permitted. The law signed by Cuomo directs 40% of tax revenue from marijuana sales toward communities where African-American and Latino residents have been disproportionately arrested on charges stemming from the marijuana use. Uh, New York Times reporting that. So, Rob, I don't know if you uh, had an inkling that it was was this soon or you just assumed it was obvious given uh, the pandering Cuomo had to do, but well done. Well, thank you. I just had to think of what's the stupidest thing... (laughs) And the least useful thing he could do. First of all, marijuana smoking is already legal in New York City. Everyone, and I, I smell it constantly. And I live on the third floor and I live in a townhouse. I can, I can, I can smell people walking by. I mean, it, it's no one's. And the idea that it's going to be legal anywhere smoking cigarettes is legal is another thing that all conservative knows and true because we know that cigarette smoking is illegal everywhere. It's almost illegal in your own home. If they could, if they could make it illegal in your house, they would. Pot smoking is legal everywhere. People smoke pot at, at, on the street. And if you were smoking a cigarette, you get a dirty look. So um, it won't just be legal. It'll be um, extra legal, super legal, extra double plus good legal. Um, and of course, it won't matter because uh, there'll be no real revenue to it. This is not a solution to anything except to Cuomo's current uh, unpopularity. Well, if things do go wrong, and I'm guessing, uh, given the rush to this, we'll learn some things uh, over time once it's been legalized pretty much everywhere, uh, that that may have not been the greatest decision, but we'll see. But if we do come to that conclusion, as uh, as uh, folks did with tobacco, I look forward, if we're still around in a generation or two, to uh, all these states' attorneys general uh, suing big <laughs> marijuana for hundreds of millions or billions exactly. of dollars. Big weed. All right, on to the real martinis now, Rob. And uh, one thing that we have seen so far from polling is that folks are giving Joe Biden a honeymoon. I mean, most of his approval numbers are in the mid to high 50s. I think in the beginning, it was even in the low 60s. But on one issue, the public is seeing the light here, and the issue is immigration. Morning Consult has done the polling. Uh, According to a new poll, 49% of voters disapprove of Biden's handling of immigration issues, up 8% since mid-March, while 40% approve, down six points over the same time period. Meanwhile, we're up to 20% of Democrats disapproving. And I think this is the most important statistic. 53% of all voters say Biden's changes to Trump-era border policies and not seasonal migration, which is what he said it was at the press conference last week, are causing the current situation 
situation at the U.S.-Mexico border. Now, they still have them at 58% overall, so this one issue doesn't seem to be moving the needle a ton on people's overall opinion of him. But, uh, you know, if it gets worse and worse, it, it could. And if it happens on other issues, certainly it will. So uh, what do you make of the public seeing the light despite the media and the Biden administration trying to say there's nothing to see here? Pay no attention to the man behind the curtain. This is all a sign of success for the Democrats. I mean, they successfully demonized the Trump policy. They successfully demonized the, the, the idea of what, what you do with unaccompanied minors at the border. They successfully used the cages, kids in cages as a rallying cry. They were so successful that they now have inherited that toxic soup that they brewed. And people, normal people, are looking at pictures, the ones that they just allowed. This is, I think just this morning they allowed pictures, the Biden administration allowed pictures. And they say, hey, wait a minute. Those look like kids in cages to me. And I think some Biden spokesman says that, well, they're not cages per se. They're just they're they're plastic enclosures. <laughs> but they, the Biden administration is ordering more of them. There will be more of those unaccompanied minors and families that are separated in those plastic enclosures we can use. And they have set that this is a predicate that they have set. They said that there was a there was a solution to this problem. And they said that Trump. Trump's solution was cruel and draconian and unnecessary. And now the people said, okay, now you try. And suddenly we hear, well, you know, it's very complicated. That's how you know they're losing. When the, 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 the Biden administration and their lickspittle press says things like, well, it's, it's a very complicated problem, which they didn't say for four years under Trump. They said it was easy and Trump was bad. And now it's complicated and Biden's doing his best. Uh, it, the, the truth is, of course, it is complicated. It, there are no easy solutions. A wall wouldn't really be the solution, although it would have been a start. And he promised to build one. And he didn't do it. Uh, but ultimately, you have to you have to come up with a policy that 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 addresses the fact that we have a, a, thousands of unskilled laborers want to come here, and we are doing a very weird thing by making it fairly easy to come here as an unskilled laborer and fairly difficult to come here as a skilled, educated laborer. And that is not a recipe for a country to grow in the 21st century. We just got to figure that out. And that's going to mean some sad things like some families on the border are not going to come in or they might get separated or they, a lot of things might happen to people who try to cross the border down South. Um, and that's not a solution we're really going to be able to solve. I, I, and I think the Biden administration is getting a, um, what's the word? It's getting a, a, a its first dose of reality. Uh, and unfortunately for him, it's sort of early in his term. I think it's I think he's going to suffer from this. I think the Democrats will suffer from this. Um, but it's a, it's you know, they are eating at a table that they set. Uh, they are being held to standards that they created. Um, and I'm <laughs> I know they regret it. I think that's probably right. And, you know, they decried Trump's you have to stay in Mexico until your case is uh, resolved policy. I think that was probably one of the smarter uh, pieces of immigration policy we've had in a long time. Uh, and of course, uh, Biden also said that uh, this started under the previous administration. I don't think it started before November 6th, though, uh, or whatever election day was, because, uh, you know, when when the guy who uh, certainly appears to have won uh, even well before Inauguration Day uh, had said, we're not going to deport anyone for 100 days. That's pretty much a green light. But the craziest aspect of this, Rob, uh, and you're the perfect person to ask this because you're such a wordsmith, is the fighting over the semantics. Now, it's not a crisis. It's a challenge. It's not a crisis, but it's complicated. So I guess we're only using the C words in our dictionary here. But uh, why the big fight over 
whether it's a crisis or a challenge or it's complicated, people see that it's not going well and they're holding you responsible for it, on, at least on, on this poll. Uh, so why not just admit, you know what, this is, uh, this is, this is a crisis. Who cares? How you, what terminology you use? Well, it matters because if it's a crisis, then you can come to a month later and say, what have you done about the crisis? Uh, uh, the problem, the reason you don't want to call it a crisis is because there is no solution to it. Uh, except a complicated thing involving a certain amount of uh, border security that's going to be draconian, and there are going to be pictures of that, and it's going to be ugly, And you, but you've got to do it. And then there's going to probably be, after, after a period of border security, there's going to be some kind of amnesty. None of these things are popular. They're all complicated, <laughs> and calling it a crisis means I have to solve it, and there is no solution. Um, so that's that's why they want to tamp it down. Look, the analogy here is uh, Barack Obama becoming president and saying what he what, mostly what he wanted was to stop having uh, American troops overseas die uh, and be blown up in IEDs and various other things. So his solution was more drone strikes. Right. No, nobody launched more drone strikes than Barack Obama because they were out of the camera. They were no one saw them. Innocent people were killed, all sorts of things that if it was a Republican president, we would be hearing about 24-7. Nobody saw these things. There were no pictures. So it's like they didn't exist. And that is what the Biden administration wants to do. They want to make this problem not go away because there's no way to make it go away. They want to make the coverage of it go away. And so the only way to do that is to tone down the language. So it'll go from, uh, you know, it's no longer a crisis. It'll go from a concern to a challenge to a continuing a solution set to some other thing, to a commission, to a bipartisan commission. And uh, <laughs> meanwhile, the, the numbers of Im uh, legal immigrants will sort of ebb and flow according to the economy. You know, this country, we're going to come back strong, I think, after this, uh, after COVID. And there's going to be a surge of, of illegals coming in to, you know, to, to what, what they always do when the economy, when the economy grows up north and the labor market gets tight. That's what happens. Um, unless you get tough. The Democrats have already said getting tough is not an option. No, they're not going to get tough at all. And, uh, you know, I, I'm surprised I haven't heard more people saying, well, he's only been in office for two and a half months. And the response to that, of course, is, well, he's been in Washington for 48 years and two and a half months. So he <laughs> should have a pretty good idea of how this works, but apparently not. So, And I'm not even um, sure 48 years is correct. I, I think it might be longer. It might be 80 <laughs> or 90 years. Sure I think I saw a picture of like an old Civil War photograph, and I'm pretty sure I saw Biden in it. <laughs> Obviously, Rob, they need to see clearly on this issue and many others, as we're going to discuss today. Uh, and so for that, you want to be able to buy glasses that are fantastic products, but you can also get very conveniently and do so online. And that's where Coastal comes in. Because look, you might be worried about how they'd actually look in real life, but Coastal makes it easy. You can browse and virtually try on hundreds of frames without having to leave your couch. At Coastal.com, you get prescription glasses starting at $9. That's right, $9 with free shipping and 60-day risk-free returns. And I'll tell you, Coastal came around at just the right time for me. I decided to get new glasses with my regular optometrist, I don't know whether it was the angle that they put them in the frames, but I had to redo it two or three times and it still wasn't perfect. And so I got the chance to, to go to Coastal at limited expense and first crack, man, they nailed that prescription right away. So if you think, uh, oh, they're not going to get it right because it's online, not true. Uh, I, those are the ones I wear now. So uh, if you're thinking about getting new, new glasses and you don't want to spend a ton, Give Coastal a shot. Coastal has over 2,000 frames to choose from and 24-hour customer support. So that's what 
Newsweek says when it calls it America's best customer service. And when you buy a pair from Coastal, you can donate a pair to someone in need in just one click at no extra cost. To date, Coastal has given more than 500,000 pairs of glasses to people in need across the world. Starting at $9, there's no need to leave the sofa. This is the new way to shop for glasses. Coastal.com. Now and for a limited time, they're offering Three Martini Lunch listeners the best deal they've got going anywhere. 30% off your first pair of glasses at Coastal.com slash martini. Get free shipping, 60-day risk-free returns, and again, 30% off at Coastal.com slash martini. The discount will be applied at checkout, but it's only for a limited time. C-O-A-S-T-A-L dot com slash martini. Some restrictions apply. Coastal.com slash martini. All right, Jim. Well, Joe Biden. Jim, ha- you call me Jim. Oh, sorry. That's nice. <laughs> Jim's on one of his endless vacations. <laughs> or maybe, you know what? It just seems like he's on vacation all the time because I'm only here when he's on vacation. Rob, my apologies. Uh, <laughs> no worries. Let's talk about Joe Biden. He might not have a clue about the border, but uh, he and his aides are definitely trying to cram through every liberal or even that's not even a fair word anymore. Far left wish list item into every piece of legislation. You saw all the giveaways to unions and blue state bailouts and the COVID relief bill that didn't really have a ton of COVID relief. Now he's talking about infrastructure, but infrastructure covers a lot of stuff, Robin. We're not even going to get to a lot of the bad parts here, but uh, three of them are certainly uh, going to be discussed here. One, he's looking to implement the PRO Act, which is the federal version of AB5 in California, which uh, is supposed to help gig economy workers, freelancers, by forcing employers to provide benefits for them. What that does in reality is forcing employers not to use freelancers. And so the freelancers are uh, in in rough economic shape. Joe Biden wants to do that nationwide. He also essentially wants to uh, wipe out the right to work, which is legal in 27 states. And he also uh, says he wants to give everybody a fair chance uh, to unionize. But what that really means is, is if you're part of any uh, collective bargaining effort or you benefit from that, uh, even if you're not part of a union, you've got to pay union dues. That's where he's headed with that. And if that's not enough, they're trying to cram a bunch of different uh, provisions from the Green New Deal, which Joe Biden said in the campaign, of course, he didn't want to do. And then once he was the presumptive nominee, he said he's going to base his uh, climate agenda on a lot of things that were in the Green New Deal. So uh, it's a catch-all. They're going to try to use reconciliation. In other words, uh, they don't need to deal with the filibuster. A simple majority would do it, which makes me quite nervous. Joe Manchin's a big fan of the union, so I wouldn't expect him to get in the way, although if they put too much climate stuff in there, he might. Uh, So, Rob, uh, what do you make of the aggressive nature here? Overplaying their hand or striking while the iron is hot? Well, I think a little bit of both, right? I mean, you never know if you've overplayed your hand unless you really go for it. I mean, I... I, I sort of admire the fact that he's going for it. I, I, I'm terrified, as you are, of, of a lot of these things. Look, the, uh, the, all the right-to-work laws, I think, the state ones won't hold up. Uh, states get to decide that stuff, I think, um, especially if it goes to this Supreme Court, which tends to defer to the states more than any other. Uh, but paycheck protection, which is where new, when you, which, which is what the right has called it for years, paycheck protection is a winning issue for the right, which means that you can't just have your paycheck garnished and and uh, and pay dues to a union you don't like and don't approve of. Um, that has actually been a pretty good wedge issue for Republicans in certain states over the past twenty years. And again, twenty years—that's what we're talking about. A lot of these things just feel like, my God, somebody went to the basement and dug up a bunch of old stuff and thought, well, put this in. What the hell? Um, so what I'm hoping is that all this stuff is going to be in a giant uh, mess 
and uh, and get sort of negotiated out and yelled at, and the really bad stuff will get removed. I'm not sure that's true, um, and that's what I'm hoping because right now they seem to have a, a more leverage than the uh, than the other side. I mean. Uh, the, the the other stuff in the infrastructure bill is also, I mean, it's sort of built to self-destruct. There's the um, there's the procurement, uh, you know, when the government's going to have to buy all this stuff, the procurement policies, which are uh, going to be uh, incredibly, incredibly corrupt because there's also the Buy American problem. So you're going to have to buy American, but you're going to have to like have competitive bids. We're going to have one company, you know, one American company doing most of it. Um, I guess ultimately, here's the here's what I think people on the right should take away. It is important to vote for rhinos. Rhinos are important. If we had a couple more ladies from Maine and a couple more Joe Manchins, although he's not really a rhino, but he's like a dino. If we had a couple more of these sort of like, uh, you know, middle ground, uh, middle people, uh, middle senators in the Senate and in the House, too, a lot of this stuff wouldn't feel so imminent. Um, it's traditional now for Republicans to say things like, well, I don't want any of those rhinos in there. But when it comes down to this stuff, if, if, if the best you can do is a rhino, get yourself a rhino. If you're in a blue state and a moderate Democrat is running for a, a statewide office and, and, the, and, the, and the real conservative, whatever that means, can't win, vote for the moderate. Rhinos will save you even though that's probably not a, a, a message people want to hear. But when this thing gets to, starts to move through Congress, you'll be looking for the rhinos to, uh, to hold the dam. Well, as you dodge the rotten fruit and tomatoes that are being thrown at you for, for what you just said there, Rob, are you talking about- Call me Jim again. Maybe they'll send the hate mail to Jim. <laughs> are you talking about voting for them because that gets you a Republican majority and then these things die on arrival and you don't even have to deal with yeah, them? Yeah, yeah. Well, both. I mean, more spending caution in Congress better. Um, and that is sort of a, you know, to you, that, that is a, uh, should be on in every fortune cookie. So if you, if you really, I mean, if you, I understand the need to, to, to want to vote for the real rock rib conservative, but what you really want to do is to make sure that we don't have pay, we have paycheck protection for union workers. We have right to work laws. We have, uh, uh an infrastructure. If we're going to do infrastructure spending, it's not a total boondoggle. It's not basically with the, the woke agenda, uh, uh, called freeway and and uh, you know rail construction. We need all of that stuff to be taken care of. And sometimes a rhino is the best you can do. And if that's the best you can do, then that's what you should vote for. I, I mean, look, full disclosure, I am a rhino, but I'm not running for anything. But I I, I am just reminding my friends who are more conservative than I, uh, which is basically everybody, that uh, there's a time and a place for a rhino. And this is the time and the place for it. Don't forget it. <sighs> I'm going to have to disagree with you there. I feel like I Bill Lundberg in office space. Yeah, I'm going to have to disagree <laughs> you know? with you there. Uh, I generally go with the Buckley rule. You vote for the most conservative person that you think can win uh, in your in your constituency. Uh, but I'm if I if I must admit it, I'm a purist that I am not a fan of the 17th Amendment. I think the state legislatures should be picking these people. And just think, given Republican control of state legislatures, how different the balance in the U.S. Senate would be right now. But oh, um, I don't know if I disagree with that. I'm just talking about 2021 as it exists, Greg. Yes. Like you're talking about uh, some some major, <laughs> major infrastructure work on the, our form of government, which I'm not against. But, you know, I'm not going to hold my breath. Probably not going to go back to the way it was. But, <laughs> yeah. yeah uh, we are true conservatives. And that, that is a thing that we, if given the choice, we will always want to go back. 
I'd love to go back and redo 1913, man. Uh, Woodrow Wilson, uh, the 16th, 17th Amendments, the, the Federal Reserve, all that stuff. Just a mess. Okay. All right, Rob. After this fierce debate over who ought to be in the U.S. Senate, let's uh, just rest for a moment and talk about my pillow. My pillow giving the same attention that they've given their pillows to their towels. Right now, uh, my pillow, you can get two of the six-piece towel sets for one low price and free shipping. My pillow towels have proprietary technology that makes these towels highly absorbent. They're soft to the touch without that lotiony feel. I love that description because I know exactly what they mean, uh, and I hate that. And my pillow. My pillow towels have none of that. There's a 10-year warranty and a 60-day money-back guarantee. They're washable. They're dryable. There are seven colors to choose from. Yeah, absolutely. I'm using the towels right now. And when they say highly absorbent, they're not kidding. I, I am I am dry quickly. A single six-piece set includes two bath towels, 30 inches by 56, a two-pack of hand towels, uh, 16 inches by 30, and a two-pack of washcloths, 13 by 13, all high quality. Visit MyPillow.com to learn more and to order. Right now, three Martini Lunch listeners can get all six-piece towel sets, buy two for one low price, and get free shipping. Use the promo code MARTINI at checkout or call 800-874-0104. That's MyPillow.com, code MARTINI. Or call 800-874-0104 for two six-piece towel sets for one low price and free shipping. All right, Rob, let's talk about the battle over boys versus girls. I don't know how you even teach sex ed these days. Uh, It was pretty awkward even when we went through it in school, but at least it was fairly basic. Uh, This is how we determine what's a boy. This is how we determine what's a girl. Uh, Not how it's done, at least in the media and on the left anymore. But uh, hopefully reality uh, can be uh, reasserted here quickly. Uh, As we mentioned, Jim is on vacation. Rob is filling in for him here. Alexandra DeSanctis is writing The Morning Jolt this week. And she's focusing on a CNN uh, article written by a breaking news reporter named Devin Cole, who wrote two different paragraphs that just boggle the mind here, Rob. Uh, talking about Christy Nome and, and her whole ordeal in South Dakota about uh, banning biological males from uh, girls' sports. Uh, here's the first paragraph. Though the two executive orders signed by Nome do not explicitly mention transgender athletes, they reference the supposed harms of the participation of males, quote-unquote, in women's athletics an echo of the transphobic claim cited in other similar legislative initiatives that transgender women are not women. The orders also reference biological sex, a disputed term that refers to the sex as listed on students' original birth certificates. But here's the uh, the real head against the desk paragraph. It's not possible to know a person's gender identity at birth, and there's no consensus criteria for assigning sex at birth, Cole asserted. Uh, and Alexander says, in a statement better fit for an unhinged opinion article than a news article, by a breaking news reporter. And so obviously the claim is you got to let these kids grow up and just determine what their identity is before uh, you can start uh, treating them one way or the other instead of obviously looking at um, male or female anatomy and determining it that way or the chromosomes, which are obviously a very distinct way of doing that. Uh, Rob, look, every debate in this country gets uh, pretty heated at times. Uh, I I think uh, people struggling with this deserve empathy. Uh, Those of us who are not struggling with it uh, probably can't understand exactly what that's like, but it doesn't change biological reality. How you treat these people uh, can be a matter of uh, question here. But for the media, I mean, we literally have the left and the media, but I repeat myself, trying to say 
that your biological anatomy and your chromosomes do not determine your sex. I mean, this is supposed to be the party of science. Talk about denying reality uh, as part of a political agenda here. It's truly, truly insane. And if you if you acknowledge the reality, you're a bigot who has to be silenced. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's a. Uh... It's it's hard not to think of anything weirder, right? I mean, it, it, n- n- admitting that the, the you know sex definitions and sex and there, that there is a consensus for sex determination at birth doesn't seem like it should be that controversial, and it also doesn't seem like it has anything to do necessarily with how you treat uh, trans people, nor should it. Um, the, the two things going on here are very are very strange. One is this relentless need for the left to step on its own argument to 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 ruin its own momentum to 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 prove to americans that they are genuinely weird this is a genuinely weird thing to say and most americans on the left and on the right know it's nonsense and i you know for a, po- a party to ally it, uh, align itself with nonsense that's dangerous that is a dangerous thing it's it's the it's the qanon of the left because it's crazy uh, and and everybody kind of can point to it and laugh at it and knows that it's crazy. The second thing that I think so so strange about it is that we're talking about a non I mean a non problem statistically. I'm not going to use a compli- I'm going to use a, 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 a um, probably a word's going to get me into trouble. But the number of people in America who are trans is a statistically trivial number. It's very small. The number of people who 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 struggle with this and I think it is a struggle. I think it's real, but that there's a statistically small number of those people. It really isn't going to be hard to accommodate them without actually changing fundamental foundational definitions of biology. Uh, and I think the, our need to do that and to codify or the left's need to do that and to codify it um, is a sign that they've they, they, almost like they've run out of things to, to, to complain about. It, it would be much better. And I think be much better for all trans people if we just shut up about it. And made accommodations when they appear to be necessary to be made. Um, but the idea that we're going to be telling doctors in medical school, by the way, that thing you see there, that's not what that means, is utterly ludicrous. Um, and I think American people know it. And the more the left pushes this, the more they're going to undermine their own momentum of turning you know, America into a you know, brave socialist state. Uh, in order to do that, you got to get pe- people have to believe that you live in the real world. This is not real world. On the opposite shore here, on the extreme, uh, as much as we love uh, pointing out, uh, yes, there really are boys and there really are girls, and there are pretty easy ways to tell. Uh, gender reveal parties, Rob, have gotten insane, and they're literally getting people killed. We've had uh, pyrotechnics go wrong, people getting uh, killed with uh, explosions that were supposed to happen. Now the New York Post reporting a gender reveal in Mexico went tragically wrong when a plane streaming a sign about a baby girl plunged into the waters off Cancun, killing two people on board while the parents-to-be and their guests watched in horror from a boat, according to reports. So as Jim and I have said, uh, I think... There was a massive West Coast wildfire that started because uh, somebody did a pyrotechnic gender reveal yeah, right, right, last right. year. And so, you know, send an email, do a video, <laughs> post it on whatever social media account you like. <laughs> We're celebrating human life here. Let's not lose human life by pointing out that you're going to have a boy or a girl. Or just shut up and keep it to yourself. <laughs> Does anybody care? Look, I don't, I've never been to one. I don't think I've predict- I, The whole idea of this, it just seems like, 
only a certain generation of Americans or maybe the younger generation Americans thinks that every single moment in their lives needs to be celebrated by with some kind of over the top fashion. I mean, these are the kids. These are really these are the children of the of the every kid gets a trophy generation. Right. These are the, the everything these kids have done has been celebrated. They've been protected and, and cosseted and, and, and awarded. They all have trophies for nothing. And so now when they're about ready to have their child, their first child or second child, they think that's something that everyone needs to celebrate. Let me tell I, I think that undermining all, uh, under, underlying all of this is a present grab that these parents are like, <laughs> hey, wait a minute. So we had a wedding, presumably, and we got wedding presents and then we had a baby shower and we had, I want more presents. Let's have a gender reveal party. So everybody's got a troop to somewhere and watch a, some kind of explosion or whatever. And then they got to bring a present. What are we going to bring them? Well, what you bring? So this, these couples are just kind of raking in this loot to make it for a non-announcement. And I mean, to me, like I am willing, I think, to make a deal. Um, I'll let, I will let that language go through that we don't know how to assign sex identity at birth in exchange for no more gender reveals. I'll give something to the progressive left and take something away from gender reveals. I, I don't, I don't know. I'm, I, I'd have to think about this bargain, but I, I think it'd be a popular bargain. I'm going to go the opposite way here. I think we do have to define that there are boys and there are girls. I think that's probably the more important thing. But at the at the end of the day, you uh, I would ban gender reveal parties that are a threat <laughs> to human life. I think I think that's a, that's the compromise I would probably call for there. Rob, uh, thank you so much for filling in for Jim the last three days. Enjoy uh, your time off. I know you're headed off on vacation the next few days, so enjoy that. And we'll talk to you down the road. Hey, thanks. Enjoyed it. Absolutely. Rob Long, he is the host of The Martini Shot, which you can hear on Ricochet. He's the co-founder of Ricochet, in fact, co-host of the Glop Podcast and a contributing editor at National Review Online. I'm Greg Corumbus of Radio America. Please subscribe to the Three Martini Lunch Podcast. We're so, so grateful for your five-star ratings and your kind reviews. Please tell your friends about us as well. Get us on those home devices. All you have to say is play Three Martini Lunch Podcast. Find all of us on Twitter. He's at RCBL. Jim Garrity is at Jim Garrity. I'm at Dateline underscore DC. Have a great Wednesday and please join us on Thursday for the next Three Martini Lunch. Well, it's that time again. Spring breakers are going wild in Miami, causing new curfews. People are hesitant about getting the co-vaccine. And where's all the news on the border crisis? Hey, it's the Chicks here from the Chicks on the Right podcast. Download and subscribe to our daily podcast to hear us pick apart and pick on the news of the day. Politics to pop culture. Nobody's safe, but it's all fun. Subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts.